Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, all pet people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and as always, I thank you for tuning in. Some years ago, when I was a lieutenant with Orange County Animal Control, I was asked to train deputy sheriff recruits in the area of dealing with protective animals at crime scenes or other emergency situations. This came about after a beloved family pet was shot and killed by deputies who had responded to a burglary in process call at a residence. That event made it painfully clear that many law enforcement personnel had little to no training in dealing with protective animals and resorted to immediate lethal force when confronted with a family pet. Of course, one of the best bits of information all emergency personnel can use before they arrive to a scene of an emergency is the knowledge of whether or not there is a pet there. And thanks to Smart 911, a new service for pet owners, this information is being made available to emergency response agencies. Jessica Rose from Rave Mobile Safety will be by shortly to tell us all about the details. Then after our halftime break, Ashley Cunningham, the president and founder of Barks of Love Animal Rescue, will be checking in to talk about all the latest news from her organization and tales with happy endings. So stay right where you are and we'll get started after a very quick station break here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and with me now is Jessica Rose from Rave Mobile Safety. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm so excited to have you on the show because you have been developing a product that I think is very, very important. I mentioned earlier in the show that Some years ago when I was a lieutenant with Orange County Animal Control, I was actually training deputy sheriffs on how to deal with pets that were on the scenes of uh, any activity that they were responding to because so often uh, the first reaction they would have when a protective dog would show up would be to shoot it which obviously is not the way to go. And and you have developed a product that actually will alert emergency personnel that there's a pet in the house. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about it. How did this get started? How did you develop it? Tell us the whole story. So the program is called Smart 911. Okay. Uh, and it's a free service to citizens all across the country, and it's provided by various 911 centers um, across the country. And really, it came from the need of the um, advancement of technology in 911. Um, as, as you may or may not know, when you call 911 today, often from a cell phone, which is about 70% or more of the calls coming into 911, there's really not a lot of information available to the 911 call takers to really understand who is calling, what their location might be, um, and especially if it's a situation where the person can't communicate or can't communicate very well, or even, you know, in that moment, they're very panicked. They may not remember very simple details. Right, right. Um, 
Smart 911 gives them the chance to create this profile of information that they feel that 911 should know about them. Okay. Well, how do they go about developing that profile? So they go to smart911.com, and you just create um, an account for free, and you can essentially add any information that you feel is important for 911 responders to know about an emergency. Okay. So depending on your household and and what's what's available in your household, you might have medical conditions you might want them to know about. Um, You might have somebody with mobility limitation or a disability. Um, And one section is dedicated to pets. Um, that they can add any information about any of the pets in their household wow. uh, to really to really provide that information to responders. Oh, that's fabulous. And there are about, what, 67 million households that have pets currently in the United States? Yeah, about that. So we're talking a lot of animals that emergency responders are likely to come upon when they're responding to a call, and, and they need to know about this. Absolutely. Whose brainchild was this? Um, You know, Rave Mobile Safety has been developing campus um, safety solutions for a long time, and it kind of evolved in the sense that a lot of these campuses have 911 centers that overlap with the communities, and we were able to develop solutions to the campus that the municipality looked at and said, you know what, it would be great if we had this information about our entire community, all all the uh, residents in in our community. So Mm -hmm. we were able to, to put that together and kind of, really just transfer it over to the municipal side. Wow, that is awesome. And and how long did this whole process take? So the first location of Smart Nile launched in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, and that was in Nashville, Tennessee. And since then, we've grown to have a presence in uh, 36 states, about 1,200 communities, um, and we're available in protecting about 22 million citizens across the country. Oh, that's wonderful. So you're still a work in progress. You're trying to get nationwide. Absolutely, and we're you know we're announcing new locations every month, so it's really a rapid expansion and really a very exciting time for us. If one of our listeners finds out that their municipality is currently not participating, how can they get their local law enforcement 911 agency to take part in this? So there's a couple things they can do. They can contact them directly, you know, the police station or their 911 agency or a city manager or a mayor and let them know that they would really be interested in utilizing the service in their community. Uh, They can also go to smart911.com, and on our website there's a section where you can speak up for Smart 911, and we have all sorts of tools and materials available for people who would like to um, advocate for it to have it in their community. Oh, excellent. So that's great for people who are trying to think what they can say and feel like they're not very good wordsmiths. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's outstanding. So you can grab letters to your local uh, representatives at your city or your county and and send those on in kind of prefab and maybe just personalize it yourself with a few little words here and there. Absolutely. Just tell them why it would be important for you to to have in your community and what's what's the value to you as a citizen. And, And knowing that their residents would use it and utilize it and see value in it, I think is a great motivator. And this isn't just for dogs and cats, either. I know a lot of people have horses and other livestock. Does mm-hmm. this service help protect them as well? Oh, absolutely. When, you, when you're putting your pet information into, the, um, into your profile, you can select if it's a pet, um, if it's a livestock, or if it's a service animal as well. And all those details get passed on. So in rural locations where there's farms and you know, maybe there's a natural disaster or a fire or something and they need to account for all the animals that might be there, they can utilize that, whether they're household pets or, you know, pets on a farm. 
Okay. Now, if you're one of the people who are still waiting for Smart 911 to come into their own community, can they still sign up for the service and and, uh, hope that it gets there soon? (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. So anybody can go online today, smart911.com, to sign Mm -hmm. up and create your profile for free. Okay. And the great thing is it's a national service. So if you put your mobile phone in there, it travels with you. So if you're traveling across the country or any location near you that has the service, and you might need to dial 911 for any reason, um, that profile is going to pop up where that center answers your call if they have Smart 911. Okay. So if you're, in, if you're in D.C. or Atlanta, they can get your information there as well. That's really cool. So just to reiterate, this is not just for pets. It's for pets and people, and that's mm-hmm. very cool. It's such a great combination. That And also, I, I have to compliment your, your organization for including pets because so many people just focus on on humans, and we need to make sure that our pets are included because they're part of the family as well. Oh, absolutely. I know my two dogs are in there, and they're the first ones I'm, I'm running back for if there's a fire or something that needs help. So, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Well, I always like to ask guests on the show to tell us some of the special stories that have come about as a result of their special service. I'm wondering if you can tell us your favorite rescue story. You know, there was um, out in Michigan where we have many counties that have joined onto the service. I was talking to a dispatcher out there, and she talked about how she had a situation where a woman, um, and it was a small farm, but they had several dogs in the house. I think they had three or four dogs, and they actually had a barn fire. So it wasn't in their home, but it was in the barn on the property, and they had called 911, and they were evacuating and trying to get, you know, kind of just make sure they had inventory on everyone, make sure everyone was safe. Mm-hmm. And the dispatcher kind of went through, and she, she had all the people, and she started saying, okay, I have the dogs here. Do you have this dog? Do you have this dog? Wow. And the, the woman kind of said, oh, my goodness, I don't have, you know, I don't have Sandy, my dog, here. And she was able to, to kind of gather herself mm-hmm. and realize that she had, she had one more dog to account for, and they, luckily the dog was absolutely fine. But it provided a sense of, of calmness to, to the citizen in a moment of absolute panic for her. That um, is Awesome. And how do emergency responders feel about all this? Do they think, oh, gosh, this is one more thing that I have to deal with, or are they pretty happy about it? You know, so far they absolutely love it, and I think that's because they're arriving on scene of these emergencies, whether it's a fire or a medical emergency Mm -hmm. or any other domestic incident, knowing more about the situation and saving time and assessing, assessing the area. So, you know, firefighters can go into a house knowing how many people and pets could be within the house. Right. Or um, officers can approach the house knowing there's there's three dogs in there and that they're either friendly or they're protective, but they're just being aware that they're in the household. It's greater safety not only for the citizens, but for the officers and the firefighters as well. Right. And if they're concerned about the dogs being in the house and they don't feel that they have the expertise in handling animals, they can have already contacted their local animal control partner to meet them at the scene and handle the animal aspect of everything. Absolutely. It's really just a time saver. You're, you're triaging all these, all these pieces together before you're even getting to the scene of the incident, and you're just saving a whole lot of time and ensuring everyone's safety. Uh, and, and it's really a big piece of, you know, it's peace of mind for everyone to know that everyone's taken care of. That is so important. I know that there have been so many tragic stories, and you hear about them on the news, you know, where, where a dog might just walk up just very innocently, like, oh, hey, somebody's, you know, here in the house. And and because it's frightening and it's an animal and they don't know what to expect, you know, the the officers there will go ahead and discharge their weapon and injure or kill the animal. And and I just 
totally see this as a method of eliminating those kind of tragic stories because the police officers and the deputy sheriffs are going to be armed with the knowledge that this condition exists there and they can deal with it safely, effectively, and and handle their end of the duty. Absolutely. The more information, the better. And it's really, as you're creating your profile, it's up to you as a citizen what information you want to include and what's important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But we encourage everyone to put as much information as they feel is pertinent and relevant because even the smallest of details can be a big help, you know, in these kind of situations where, where really every second counts. So if you have a dog and perhaps it's very well trained and it it comes to the front door, there might be something that anybody can say to it like sit or down and it will immediately respond. And if the the emergency responders know that because it's in your profile, they can go ahead and use those commands. Mm -hmm. And we've heard even things like just knowing the dog's name. It's going to catch their attention, and you're going to be able to interact with it in a much safer and controlled manner. Right, because so often if dogs are called by their names, it's like, oh, wait, this guy knows me. Exactly, (laughs) exactly, and they're they're paying attention immediately. (laughs) So it's just, it's it's having that much more information can make such a difference. And you have to keep that information current. You can't enter it five years ago and then have more animals in your house and never bother to update it. Right, and we, we automatically prompt you every six months to just do a quick check and verify that all the information is still correct. Um, okay. If it is, there's very easy um, email and phone notifications that we'll, we'll put through, and you can just click a link and confirm. Okay. Um, but anytime anything changes, if you, if you ha- add another pet to your household or any other information changes, you can log in and update it in real time to make sure it's all current. And let's give our listeners one more time before we say goodbye what that website is. Yep, it's www.smart911.com, uh, and it's it's free to the public, so we encourage everyone to go ahead and log on and check it out and create your profile. Outstanding. This is a great service, and thanks for telling us all about it this morning. Oh, Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate it. We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Ashley Cunningham from Barks of Love Animal Rescue will be stopping by to tell some heartwarming tales of adoption. So stay right where you are, and we'll begin in just a moment. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and with me now is the president and founder of Barks of Love Animal Rescue, Ashley Cunningham. Good morning, Ashley. How's everything today? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. So I want to first talk about Barks of Love Animal Rescue and how you got into the world of animal rescue. So tell me the story. All right. Well, I am originally from Arizona, and I have always had pets growing up, dogs specifically, we've always rescued them from the shelter. And when I moved out to uh, California to attend law school, I was quite lonely and wanted to see how I could go about maybe house-sitting or babysitting a dog. And I came across these ads for fostering a dog within an animal rescue. And I jumped on it. I thought it was great. I fostered for another organization for about a year. I had 40 dogs that came in and out of my home that were adopted. Wow. And then, uh, the unfortunately, the group I was with um, could no longer continue due to a lack of funds. Aww. And so I was currently in law school and learning about starting your own nonprofit and your own business and how to do all of that. 
and I decided that I would would like to continue rescuing dogs, but I wanted to make sure I was doing it the legal right, the legal way, so that I could fundraise and raise money for donations, etc. So I formed the nonprofit and started uh, entering into partnerships with the local shelters in Southern California, and started rescuing dogs um, just myself, and then. I just slowly started posting um, on media, social media outlets and Craigslist for volunteers and fosters, and people came, and we grew, and that was in 2008, and now it's, well, 2015, and we have a whole board of, uh, board of directors, we have staff, we have a lot of volunteers, and we've rescued over 2,000 dogs. Oh, my goodness, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. You must feel pretty good about that. Yes, it's very nice, and it's an all-volunteer organization, 100%. Everyone is a volunteer, including myself. That is wonderful. So you continued, and you got your, your law degree, and are you actually yes. practicing law then? No, I'm not. Your animal work keeps you too busy. Yes. <laughs> well, I know how that goes. <laughs> so how many pets do you currently have in your own home that you're fostering right now? That's usually the big question. <laughs> Personal, well, before I, I got married and had kids, that number would be quite high, probably about five or six. Mm-hmm. My, my husband um, and I used to foster moms um, with newborn puppies um, a lot. We found those a lot of the shelters, and we were able to do that due to our schedules, being in school and being able to be at home a lot. Um, but now that I have uh, two kids, uh, I only have one dog, and I actually adopted her from the Orange County shelter. Oh, okay. So I don't actually currently personally foster any dogs anymore when your kids Um, get older are you going to get them involved oh absolutely my daughter loves to talk about barks of love she loves going to the events and she has we got she loves wearing her shirts that say barks of love and yeah i I hope (laughs) that she she's just as involved as i am she really loves dogs so that's very cool. Now, because animal rescue is in your title, even though it's Barks of Love Animal Rescue, do you just rescue dogs or do you do cats and bunnies and every other animal also? We do uh, mostly focus on dogs. We have rescued some cats before, and at the beginning I did rescue a few bunnies. I wanted to leave it, although it focuses on dogs, I wanted to leave the title open because my idea was that, you know, who knows what it could grow into, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if it continues and if we can are able to help other types of animals, we would like to do that. So far we just haven't had uh, someone on our board or someone on our team that's been extremely vested in working on, you know, another program besides just our dog rescue program. Okay. Um, but we have still assisted in the rescue efforts of other animals. And I understand that you also put out information about other animals. You you recently sent out an email blast that talked about bunnies and Easter and and that, you know, perhaps you should consider getting a chocolate bunny or a stuffed animal for your, your child instead of an Easter bunny for a pet and, and all the dangers that go along with that. So you offer educational information about all animals, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay. And... How do animals actually make it to your rescue? Do people physically take them to a facility that you have, or do your volunteers scope out all the shelters? Um, well, we have uh, volunteers scope out the shelters as well as work with uh, the community when there's like a stray dog or a lost dog or a neglected abused dog, or if there's just an owner that's going through a hard time and 
were able to place the dog. We have a foster-based system, so we have no dogs um, in a facility. We don't have a physical location. Mm -hmm. All of our dogs are being fostered by volunteers throughout Orange County. We provide them with all the supplies, food, um, and vet care, and they just provide the home. Okay. So what we do is um, we work with our fosters first and dogs second. So we want to ensure that the process runs smoothly, and we want to ensure that once we do rescue a dog from whatever situation it's in, that it's going to a home where it's going to be, you know, learning how to live in a home and being rehabilitated so that it can be adopted. So we want to make sure it's the right match. So instead of pulling the dogs and then searching for fosters, we actually search for fosters first. We work with them. We meet them. We learn about their lifestyle. We talk with them about what they are able to handle, what they aren't able to handle. And then what we do is we use our connections with the rescue partners and coordinators at the shelters, and we let them know what types of families we have available, and we ask them if they have any dogs that that they feel are at risk or that have been there for a long time that meet any of those requirements or sound like they would be a good fit, and we kind of matchmake. In another sense, and also, you know, we normally usually only rescue from shelters, but every once in a while, you know, of course we get hundreds of calls and emails of owner surrenders all the time. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, we do get that perfect description of a dog where we have a foster family that's very specific. Maybe they're allergic or they have a small apartment that only has, you know, certain breed restrictions or they have kids um, or something like that or other animals. And for some reason, this dog's personality just fits directly with them. We're able to help. Um, same with dogs that have been abused or neglected. We do have some fosters that are... Uh, really great at rehabilitation, and that's what their main focus is. So if they currently don't have a dog, then we're able to accept a really special needs dog. So it just kind of depends on the availability of our fosters. Okay. So it sounds like you have some fosters that, that do this routinely, but I suspect some of the foster families end up falling in love with the little guys that they're uh, taking in for a while. Does that happen very often? Yes. We call them foster failures. It's great because, you know, the dog's, get a home and sometimes the dog doesn't even make it on our website because we wait two weeks after we, we rescue a dog before we, we post it so that we mm-hmm. at least have um, some knowledge of its behavior uh, and personality and sometimes the dogs don't even make it there they fall in love so fast um, <laughs> but at the same time you know we do if they have usually that means that they have a high limit of dogs at that point and they can no longer foster okay. so it's a, it's a it's a win-win for us Okay, but on the other hand, you're always needing new fosters then. Oh, yes, exactly. (laughs) So how would people go about becoming a foster family for a pet? Uh, Well, they could go to our website. Uh, We have an application there where as soon as they fill it out, it gets sent to one of our board members and we review it. Is that barksoflove.org? Barksoflove.org, okay. Yep, and they can go on there and fill out an application and we come and meet you and uh, work with you and... You know, we're, we very much involve the foster family in the rescue process and in the full process, and they have, um, you know, complete control and, and help in making the, the final decision about who and what comes into their home. Okay, excellent. And for the animals that are in foster care, all of their photos and a little bio about their personality, that's all posted on your website? Correct. If you click on the adopt link, we have all of our available dogs there. Uh, we have usually between 10 and 15 dogs in our rescue at a time, and the website is the most accurate uh, 
place where you can find pictures of dogs that are actually available on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com dash barksoflove.oc. We'll post, you know, dogs that we have pulled um, and maybe are not available yet. So if you're interested, you could follow us there and, and see who's coming and who's new. Uh, but the most, but all their bios and information and about their personality and their weight and age can all be found by clicking on their pictures on our website. Do you ever have mobile adoptions where all the foster families come together and, and bring the pets that they have so that people can see them all in one place? Yes, we have those about two or three times a month, and you can find all of our events on our events tab on our website. Okay. We do events all over Orange County, um, and, and we do them about two or three times. Sometimes we, they're smaller events, like at PetSmart or Petco, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're larger multi-vendor events. So. Okay. And how about special? I know a lot of organizations, rescue organizations, do fun fundraisers. Do you have any of those planned? We always have fundraisers. Uh, we do have uh, our biggest events that we look forward to, especially in the summer, is the surf dog competition, Huntington Beach. We've been a charity partner for the past three years, so that's something that if you want to uh, get involved in is really exciting. Um, We always have um, fundraisers going on online on our Facebook page uh, for different products and different dog uh, boutiques or dog stores. Um, You can always go online and and help help us out and we get a percentage of the proceeds. Oh, that's great. Well, Ashley, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, and I wish you the very best in all that you do at Barks of Love Animal Rescue. And before I let you go, one more time, let's give out your website so that all our listeners can check out the beautiful pets that are available. It's Barks of Love, www.barksoflove.org. www.barksoflove.org. Excellent. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. We need to take our last break of the day, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. If you're going to be near Fashion Island tomorrow between the hours of noon and 4 p.m., be sure to check out the special pet adoptions that will be going on courtesy of the Animal Network of Orange County. They have lots and lots of beautiful homeless pets that are looking for loving families. For more information, visit www.animalnetwork.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. You can also find us on Facebook. We're listed under Pet Place Radio. All one word, no spaces. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on Key Jazz 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare me to your pets. And have a wonderful day. <laughs>